if I haven't met you personally, I'm Pastor Justin, and so honored that you would be here. I know there's a number of you might be here for the first time. Maybe you're here out of tradition. Maybe you came at the invitation of a family member or friend. Maybe you saw an invite card, you got a flyer in the mail. Could be a lot of reasons that you're here. Let me just tell you a couple things you got to know about us. We are a church that loves Jesus. We are a church that believes the Bible, and we're excited about what today means. I, I told you that his victory is your victory. Let me explain that. You know, there's not many times that you can celebrate somebody else's success and share in it. Like, I, I know you, you cheer for your sports team when they win. Like, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm sure you went crazy. You know, KU won the Big 12 Conference. I'm sure you went crazy for that. But here's the thing. You didn't make that shot. You didn't score that touchdown. But with Jesus' resurrection, you get to share in the very real rewards that come from that. He defeated death, defeated hell, the empty tomb. And it's a powerful thought when you recognize that. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news. That he came to save you, to deliver you, that you can have freedom in your life. He died on that cross because he wanted you to be saved. He saved you because he loves you. He loves you because he knows you. He knows you because he made you. And because he made you, he has a purpose for your life. Now, sometimes I meet people and they don't feel like they have a purpose for their life. They feel that way because they've lived a life and, you know, they're searching for meaning in their life. And they've tried a lot of things and they've done different things and they might even have a lot of accomplishments. But can I tell you, if you feel like there's something missing in your life, if you are looking for meaning in your life, what you're really looking for is God. He's the one that you're looking for. I know you've got some accomplishments, some accolades to your name. I know you've tried some stuff, and it doesn't feel like it fills you up. That's because what you're missing, friend, is God. And the good news is that if you're looking for God, you can find him. In fact, it's a promise in Scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 13 just maybe jot that down, make a note of it in your mind. It says this, that those who search for God will find him when they look for him with their heart. With their heart. In other words, God's not hiding himself from you. He's not trying to keep himself hard to see. God wants to be found by you. And so if you're looking for God, you can find him. But the other side of that is if you're just casually approaching God, we're just kind of casually approaching the church thing, you know, you just know about God but not really looking for God. The other side of that is God could be right in your midst and you won't even recognize him. This is what we see in the Easter story. If you want to follow along, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. It's one of my favorite resurrection stories. The details up to this point. I don't know if you have been to church before, if you're familiar with the Easter story, but this is the third day. Jesus died on the cross. He got up from the grave just like he said he would, conquered death, hell, and sin. The tomb that he was sealed in with the stone, that stone has been rolled away by an angel. Some women came to the tomb. They didn't know. It's another cool story. They didn't even know how they were going to do this. But they came to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices. If I was given this sermon in the 90s, I'd say they were the original Spice Girls. 
It's an old joke. It's not really relevant now, but I just went for it. That happened. And then the angels stayed around, and then Jesus stuck around long enough to meet with Mary. And so you read these events, and at this point, you think, okay, the next thing that Jesus is going to do is appear to his disciples. And in one sense, you'd be correct. That's what he does. But when you read what happens next in the story, it's kind of strange because it doesn't really happen like what we would think. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. Luke 24, starting in verse 13, says, That same day, the day that Jesus rose, that same day, two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. I don't know about you. I read this story. It almost blows my mind. Because these are two of Jesus' disciples. Two people that spent some time with him. And Jesus, after he gets up from the grave, comes and sees them walking. Says, I'm going to walk along with them. Inserts himself into their conversation. And they don't recognize him? That's crazy. And yet, I wonder how many times Jesus has appeared in your situation and in my situation, and we didn't recognize that it was him. You see, the truth is, just like these disciples, God has been with you. I know God has been with you. Just the fact that you are here today in this room lets me know that God has been with you. The fact that you've got breath in your lungs, the fact that you have some people around you who care about you, it tells me that God has been with you. And in verse 16, it catches my attention because it says they were kept from recognizing him. It doesn't say that they couldn't recognize him. It doesn't say they didn't recognize him. It says that Something kept them from recognizing Jesus. Maybe the first question you and I need to ask ourselves on this Resurrection Sunday is, is there something in my life that is keeping me from recognizing Jesus? Is there something in my life that's keeping me from recognizing the power of his presence that is right here with me? I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with you. I know there's times where I have failed to recognize God's presence in my life. I know I can fail to recognize God's presence because I can fail to recognize my kid's presence. It's really more of a skill than a problem. Call it tuned out parenting. Anybody with me on that? I'm just all alone. Okay, I just feel your judgment right now. I'll switch the subject. I, I, I know there's times that I've failed to recognize something right in my midst. I'll give you an example. Just the other day, um, I had this shirt I wanted to wear. It's a white shirt, particular white shirt that I wanted to wear. And Marissa says, do you want to wear that shirt? I said, yes. Said, okay, I'll make sure, because she loves me, she said, I'll make sure it's washed and, and pressed for you. I'll, I'll hang it up in the closet when it's ready. Awesome. Thank you for doing that, babe. I love you so much. So she said that, and uh, and. That next day, I went to go get the shirt in my closet, and it wasn't there. 
And I said, Marissa, I thought you said you were going to wash this shirt for me and put it in my closet. And I've got a lot of white shirts, and so I thought maybe she misunderstood. I thought you were going to do this shirt. It's not there. She said, no, it is there. I washed it. I hung it up in the closet. I said, woman, don't lie to me. I will bet you $20 right now. That's the way we relate to each other over gambling. I will bet you a Jackson that this, this is not in the closet. And she said, you're on. So she came up, walked into my closet, and hanging on the door, the door, not the clock, but the door, just to argue my case here, was this white shirt. That's why I had to wear a colored shirt today because I didn't want to go through the pain of this on Easter Sunday. I figured if you don't know what color to wear, just wear all of them. So, so it was right there, 20 inches from my head, and there was the shirt. Have you ever been wrong before about something? I hope you raise your hand, Marissa. Just don't leave me alone on this. I'm not saying it was your fault. I'm just saying, like, have you ever been wrong? I was wrong. I get it. It's amazing to me how you can be so close to something and not even recognize it. And the truth is, the reason some of you are laughing is because you've been there, too. You know that same thing has happened to you. But I noticed something in this very first verse that I read to you, and um, I, I want to point it out again. I wonder if you noticed it. It says that they were going to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And at first, that seems like an insignificant detail. What really does that matter? Until you remember that Jerusalem is the place where they're supposed to be. Jerusalem is the place where all the action was happening. Jerusalem is the place that the Passover was just celebrated. Jerusalem was the place that Jesus would tell them, hey, stay in Jerusalem until I send my Holy Spirit so you can be filled with power. Jerusalem is where they belonged. And now in our story, you've got these guys that are walking away from the place where they belong. They're walking away from the place that they're supposed to be. And I just wonder, is there anybody here that's maybe walked away? Have you walked away from where you belong? Have you walked away from where you're supposed to be? The good news of Jesus and the gospel and this story is Jesus says, those are the ones that I want to talk to. I want to talk to the ones who walked away. Before he goes and appears, because he was walking the earth for 40 days, Acts tells us after his resurrection. Before he does anything else, he says, I want to go find the people that have walked away. God doesn't wait for you to get your life together before he comes close to you. I mean, if Easter tells us anything, is that God is not waiting on you to clean yourself up before he comes into your situation. Romans 5.8 says, this is how God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Didn't wait for you to clean your life up. Didn't wait for you to get back on track. Didn't wait for you to head the right direction. Didn't wait for you to figure it all out. He said, hey, while they're walking away, I'm going to them. 
Easter tells us God came to us. And so Jesus, he comes up to these guys, these disciples, and he asks them a simple question. He says, what are you guys discussing as you walk along? And there's something really interesting next. In verse 17, it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. You know why sometimes we don't recognize Jesus? We're looking in the wrong direction. Their faces were downcast. That means they were sad. It means they were broken hearted. And there's been many times where we miss what Jesus is doing in our life because we're so focused on our problems and our pain and our past and we can't even see his presence because of what we're focused on. I don't know what you've experienced personally, but I do know that this story makes me appreciate Jesus in our pain because he doesn't make light of their sadness. He doesn't just say it's no big deal. He didn't just say get over it. You know, sometimes grief, real grief can be immobilizing. You can experience some stuff that you don't know how you're going to move forward. You don't know how you're going to move past it. That's what happened to these two. They were remembering the reality of what they had just went through. And Luke says, they stood still. They stopped walking. Ever had something where you didn't even know how to put one foot in front of the other after you went through it? What I love in this passage, Jesus didn't keep going. And he said, hey, if you can't move with me, it's too bad. So sad. He just, I'm going to stay here where you're at. Didn't leave them in their hurt. Didn't leave them in their pain. Didn't leave them in their sadness. In fact, one of the promises of Scripture, Psalm 34, verse 18, says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. So if you've got some pain, if you've been hurt, if you've been crushed, I've got some good news for you. God is right there with you. He's not moving past you. He's not overlooking you. In fact, what's interesting is the story tells us he's not intimidated by what's happened to you. Because after one of them finally worked up the courage to engage with Jesus, notice what happens. This is one of them, Cleopas. He asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like, God, do you even know what's going on? Are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on? Because if anybody knew what's going on, I thought you would care about this. Are you the only one who doesn't know? But I like what Jesus says. He says, tell me more. Tell, tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what's troubling you. Tell me what's got you pain. Tell me what's got you shook up. Tell me what's on your mind. Guess what? I can handle it. He says in verse 19, what things about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And now, see, now we get to the real reason they're upset. He said, we had hoped. Could say they were hopeless. They had lost their hope. And I almost want to lighten that a little bit because sometimes 
it makes sense when we're in a hopeless situation that is hard to see past that. But I don't just think that it's, they were hopeless. I think it's they were just disappointed. They had an expectation that went unmet. And I bet there's many people in this room that have had some disappointments and maybe it's not a hopeless thing, but it's a big thing to you. I didn't expect to be in this situation. I thought I would be further along in my life than I am now. I didn't expect this thing to happen to me. They had lost their hope because Jesus didn't show up like they hoped. Instead, Jesus showed up in their hurt. And this is helpful. Because I've found many times the things that I have in mind for my life are not the same things that God has in store. And if I try to limit God with my narrow perspective of what I expect and how I think he should act and how I think he should move, I am going to miss out on what he is doing right in my midst. They had an expectation that God was going to do one thing and they couldn't recognize of what he was doing right in front of them. So maybe the, the word of God to some of you today would just be don't judge the journey before it's over. Don't judge your story while you're still walking along the road. If you're trusting God, that means you're going to trust his process. If you're trusting his promise, that means you're going to trust his plan. If you're trusting his promise, it means you're going to trust his path. There might be some disappointments. There might be some things that didn't go like you expect. But if you're only looking at what you expect, you will miss out on what God wants you to experience. And what's funny in this story is these two people, they knew all the details, and yet they were missing the big picture. Because they go on explaining to Jesus as if he doesn't know. Like, have you ever tried to explain something? Just like, God, you don't really understand. If you really understood, it would be different. If you really understood, it wouldn't look like this. If you really understood, you would have showed up like I wanted you to. Well, they say, and what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Reminds me of so many of us. We're familiar with the details, but don't know the deliverer. We can fill out all the facts, but unfamiliar with what's in front of us. That's why what Jesus does next is so shocking to me. Because you know Jesus cared about them. Clearly he cared or he would not have met them along the way. Clearly he cared or he would not have engaged in conversation with them. Clearly he cared or he wouldn't have gone to this length. Jesus cared. But one thing I've learned a lot about Jesus is that he also cares enough to confront. That's what these two needed. They needed to be confronted about their lack of trust in God's word. So notice what he says next, verse 25. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Honestly, 
This is some of us in the room. We've become stubborn. It's not that we don't know the truth. We're just slow to believe. We know better. We know what we should do. But we've got this idea, I'll get to it. I'll get around to it. See, we've, we talk a good game. We've got all of our reasons. We've got our opinions. We've got our hypothesis. We've got our excuses. And we'll talk to anybody who wants to listen. Man, I love talking. Let's just have a discussion. Tell you what, let's go for a walk. We can talk about this. But Jesus comes up and says, you know what? Enough talk. How long are you going to be stubborn? How long are you going to be foolish? Stop being slow to believe. And we don't realize this whole time, we've been missing what's right in front of us. 20 inches. I think many of us, we can't recognize them because we've started in the wrong place. That verse I referenced in uh, Jeremiah, he says, you will seek him and find him when you seek him with your heart. See, that's not where most of us start. We try and seek him with our head. We want to understand everything first. We want the reasons and the whys. You're not going to find God with your five senses. Not starting there anyway. No, it has to start in your heart. Starts by believing what he said. It, it starts by believing that he is good. By believing that he knows you. By believing that he loves you. By believing that what he says is true. You want to recognize God in your situation? It doesn't start with your five senses. It starts with faith. That's why Paul would later go on to say, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You want to recognize him in your walk? It's by faith. Well, how does faith come, pastor? Faith comes by the word of God. That's why the very next thing Jesus did was point them to scripture. Look at verse 27. He says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. Truth is, all of this points to Jesus. He is the main theme in every book. You can find him on every page. Everything written in here is about the subject of redemption, pointing to Jesus as a redeemer. He is the one red thread throughout the entire Bible. You know, sometimes when I travel, I use this app called Turo to rent a car. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Kind of like Airbnb for rental cars. And uh, the reason I use it is because I can rent a Tesla. I can't rent a Tesla normally, so I'm just keeping 100 with you why I use it. But whenever you do this, you interact with the person, it's their car, and because you're meeting somebody that you don't know, they usually they you know meet them right at the airport. They're there say hey how do I know it's going to be you? And so you got to tell them what you look like. Well, got on navy pants, gray top, stunningly handsome. <laughs> Laugh a little too much at that. 
Sure looks like an Easter egg. I don't know. You just tell them something. Oh, okay. Great. I know what I'm looking for. That's what God did with Jesus. In every book, he wrote what he's like so that when Jesus came on the scene, they would know exactly what they were looking for. And maybe you're here and maybe you don't know what God is like. I want to tell you. Can I tell you he is merciful and gracious towards you? He is patient and long-suffering. He is ready to forgive. He has plenty of mercy. He knows you at your worst, and he still loves you anyway. He is full of grace. He is righteous. He is just. What that means is that we can always trust him to work for our good. He cares for us. He'll work things out on our behalf. He's not going to set you up. He is not against you. He is not out to get you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He shares his glory with you. This is why Jesus came. So that you can know him like this. So that you can know Jesus. Recognize him as risen Savior. So that's what he did. He opened up the scriptures, showed how all of them pointed to him. And while we don't know exactly what he said, we do know exactly what happened. I want to read this to you. It says, as they approached the village which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he wanted to go farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over, so we went in to stay with them. This is the part I want to get to. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened after Jesus opened the scripture. And maybe you're here, and you've been praying, God, I just need a sign. I just need to know that you're real. I just need to know that you care. I need to know that your word is true. I need to know that you're with me. I need to know that you haven't forsaken me. I, I need to know that you care. I need to know that you see me. I gotta tell you, I noticed something in this passage. I've read it a hundred times. I've never seen it before until this week. You know, their eyes were not really opened to see Jesus until they invited him in. If you really want to know God, you want to see him in your situation, you got to invite him in. You won't really see him until you do. It's by faith. And you could be so close, 20 inches, not even know what you're missing. You know what 20 inches is? It's the distance between your head to your heart. That's how close some of you are. You, you've got it all figured out in your head, looking at all the facts. You know the story. You've been around church. You know some church people. But you have never believed in your heart. 
I think there's different ones of you that you found yourself in this story even as I've been speaking. Some of you, you, you're the ones who've walked away. You grew up in church, you knew the story. You're familiar with the facts, but you've walked away. And God is drawing you to himself right now. He is speaking to you. He's drawing you back. He's saying, come home, get back to the place where you belong. Some of you, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, been so focused on your problems and your pain that you missed that God has been with you in the middle of that. He's saying, it's time to pick your head up. I want you to see I have not forsaken you. Others of you, it's a disappointment, an expectation. You had such a narrow view that God, if you cared, you would do this. And you missed out on the possibility that he had something so much better. Or maybe, maybe you're just stubborn. You know better. You know the truth. You think there'll always be time. I'll get around to it. That there's other things that are take priority. You've been slow to believe. I pray that you've been encouraged. But bigger than that, my prayer has been that you would not leave here without knowing where you stand with God, without knowing that he's with you, without having your eyes open to his presence in your life. And if you want to do that, it starts today. Today is the day of salvation.